Hi, it's Mark Sisson. Welcome to the Primal Blueprint Podcast. It's time for another show dedicated to the world of keto. Check out ketoreset.com for details about my New York Times bestselling book and send your questions to info at ketoreset.com. Hi, listeners. Thanks for tuning in. Have an exciting show today talking about myself. Oh, boy. <laughs> Actually, I think this is going to be a very thought-provoking subject, and I do want to share my recent experiment lasting for an entire month now, as we're here in October of 2017. The show won't launch for a while longer, but I've been going for a month here with a distinct alteration to my typical keto eating patterns and seeing and assessing the results. And I have some very interesting results. I don't have a lot of definitive conclusions for you, but mainly uh, to give you a teaser of where we're going with this, uh, we're going to end up with that ultimate recommendation that N equals one, that personal experimentation is the predominant driving force that will dictate your best practices with keto and with your overall dietary habits, your overall training exercise habits, testing things out, seeing what works, but of course, honoring the big picture parameters. So one thing that came up for me as I've been having a, a prolonged success with ketogenic or near ketogenic style eating was a consultation with the guys at nourishbalancethrive.com, Chris Kelly and Dr. Tommy Wood, an absolutely fabulous program they have going there for comprehensive, the most comprehensive and progressive uh, progressive health testing that you can get anywhere all in one spot. So it's kind of like doing this wild goose chase that we often do with holistic health care, uh, all corroborated into one particular a full service program. So I did a whole bunch of blood testing, urine, stool, saliva, and did all the reports coming back with the distinct patterns of my cortisol secretions during the day and all my blood values, including some uh, progressive tests that aren't usually done on traditional blood tests, everything, everything under the sun. And then a full on consultation service with their experts to identify uh, the results and how to write the numerous concerns that come up. And they've done over a thousand top athletes have gone through this, including Olympic and professional athletes. And everyone has had a certain amount of issues to address. Even the healthiest people that eat the healthiest diet, I'd put myself in that category, but I still had some assorted issues that they were concerned about and some numbers that didn't look uh, optimal. So the big takeaway that I got from my consultation uh, and I did an entire show about this on the Primal Endurance podcast. So even if you're not a hardcore endurance athlete, go check out that channel and especially search for the show with Dr. Tommy Wood, where we went over my test results and give you a glimpse of what it's all about to have the highest level of uh, peak performance consulting, uh, dietary and metabolic consulting. And what Tommy saw was or proposed that my prolonged uh keto experiment here had normalized my appetite to the extent that I was possibly not consuming enough total daily calories to support, to optimally support my uh, peak performance, fitness, athletic performance, and recovery goals. Um, so I'm an old guy here, 52 years old, and I'm still trying to keep in top shape and I have distinct competitive goals in the areas of speed golf, my favorite sports, that's kind of uh, a lot of endurance testing there because you're running 
the entire length of the golf course and timing yourself as well as counting your strokes. Uh, so you have to have endurance to run five miles at a good pace and then hit the ball straight as you're going along. And I also have that anti-aging goal and that peak performance goal in my favorite uh, diversion of high jumping. So an explosive event where you're trying to get a single maximum effort and get over the bar. So I do uh, strength training, sprinting, and just throwing in a lot of stuff that could be considered uh, pretty arduous, uh, but not, of course, not overdoing it and having short duration workouts. And paired with a ketogenic style eating pattern, especially the feature where I was experimenting with a prolonged morning fast until I experienced true sensations of hunger. So I'd usually start eating only around 12 noon, sometimes as late as two o'clock, sometimes as late as four o'clock. And then I'd go into eating And during my 140-day strict nutritional ketosis experiment early in 2017, late 2016, I was limiting my carbs carefully to under 50 grams a day as uh, designed, as advertised by most experts and in the keto reset diet. But after uh, February or March came around, I started to loosen my carbohydrate intake standards and probably drifted in the neighborhood of, let's say, some days as low as 30, you know, usually around 50, maybe up to 80, some days maybe up and over 100, 120, 150, if uh, whatever, whatever the occasion may be. So I wasn't strict about keto after I spun out of that 140-day experimental phase. And because I had built that high level of metabolic flexibility, I obviously suffered no ill effects from increasing my carbohydrate intake out of that strict nutritional ketosis range, and I actually uh, didn't really feel any different. I mean, everything was uh, humming along smoothly with minimal complaints, but in the background, you know, with this uh, peak performance mindset, lifelong athlete, former elite athlete, I always want to get the most out of my body and always wonder if there's more there because I don't know what the reference points are. I just want to do the best that I can and experiment and see if I can get an edge somehow or some way. So the idea from Dr. Tommy and from Chris that I start out my day right away in the morning with a high-performance, superfood, nutrient, green smoothie was a compelling uh, thought, and I was going to give it a full test out. They sent me a bunch of supplements, including creatine was one of them, uh, because I had some uh, disturbances that suggested maybe I was deficient on that, a multivitamin that uh, would help address my copper and zinc minor deficiencies that also came up, and assorted other things. Um, One of them was some toxic accumulation of toxic chemicals relating to plastics, So another plug for living the cleanest, healthiest life you can, not only what goes in your mouth and what you eat, but also with your storage containers and things like that. And the only thing I could think of was having the disposable uh, drink water bottles, you know, in my car, the single serving uh, water bottles where they had maybe been heating up. Uh, during a hot sunny day, my car sitting out in the sun, and then they cooled down, and maybe the next morning I'm drinking out of something that had suffered that sun damage because the plastic is so unstable when you're talking about those single-serving plastics. So anyway, I had a bunch of stuff going on, so now I'm putting a bunch of powders in this morning smoothie as well as an assortment of frozen vegetables. It's nice to freeze them in advance, then you get that cold smoothie, and of course the primal fuel powder to get a little bit of uh, whey protein in there and the other healthy agents in primal fuel, pour in some collagen powder in there, some raw potato starch. I'll give you a full rundown of the ingredients. Here we go. And then I'll cut back into uh, why I'm doing this experiment and where the smoothie fits in, what I've noticed. Um, so you can make a base here. We don't want a high carbohydrate uh, bomb, especially in a liquid form, because it will stimulate an insulin response. So we're having that base of 
uh, unsweetened almond milk or coconut milk. You can go get the cartons at Trader Joe's or a good grocer or health food outlet like Thrive Market. Um, but you'll notice on the macronutrient profile of almond milk or coconut milk, high percentage of fat, low percentage of carbohydrate. Uh, then, of course, you can throw in a handful of ice cubes. And then from your freezer, you can pre have pre-made Ziploc bag that contains kale, spinach, celery, beets, uh, ginger is nice to slice up and put in there. I even like to slice up lemons and limes with the skin and throw them in there. Uh, anything else that you can uh, enjoy, cucumbers, whatever, nice greenery, and then throw that into the smoothie preparation. I like to put some collagen powder in there. Uh, primal collagen is a good one, or you can get the Great Lakes collagen, a scoop of primal fuel, chocolate or vanilla, um, the various uh, supplements that I've been directed to take by Nourish, Balance, Thrive, including probiotics, including creatine, including the multivitamin stuff. Uh, the green powder from Organifi is really nutrient-dense, so I put a couple scoops of that in. And then things like coconut flakes, optional uh, things to flavor it up. I put a little bit of vanilla in there. I put a several shakes of cinnamon in there. I talked about the raw potato starch. Now I've worked up to probably two tablespoons worth, but you want to start slowly on this and use this as a great source of prebiotic fiber resistant starch. Um, you've noticed there's not a ton of carbs in there. If you want to have a handful of frozen blueberries, that's fine, or another frozen fruit. Uh, but I'm not trying to get a big carbohydrate bomb. But when I mix it up, I can't say it's the most delicious tasting thing because it's kind of um, flat. It doesn't have that sweetness. So if you want to flavor it, a handful of blueberries goes a long way or a peeled and frozen banana can thicken it up nicely and also give you a little bit of flavor. But when you consume something like this in the morning, uh, you're turning on that metabolic clock that was uh, so richly described by Dr. Sachin Panda on his show with Rhonda Patrick, the Found My Fitness Rhonda Patrick podcast. She does a fantastic job uh, preparing a long time for a single show. That's what I like about her deal. It's not this constant barrage of uh, publishing quick information podcasts, but really a thorough covering of the subject. And one of them was on this idea that we have a digestive circadian rhythm, as well as our overall circadian rhythm for sleeping and being awake. And when you get going in the morning with a nice nutritious source of calories, again, there's never any call to take uh, refined carbohydrates and mess up your insulin system and all that. But when you get something nutritious in your body, um, it might help you with your uh, workout performance and especially workout recovery. So that's my morning green smoothie. Um, and I also, in conjunction with adding the smoothie to my repertoire, just decided for this experimental period, this month of September 2017, that I'm reporting back on after 30 days, I just decided to make a concerted effort to consume more calories in general, as well as more carbohydrates than I was normally used to. Um, fortunately, it coincided with a trip to Vegas where you can buy this buffet of buffet ticket for $49 and you get 24 hours uh, and you can consume uh, as many buffets as you want during that period. So I got in uh, two buffets at the Paris uh, Hotel uh, the Wicked Spoon was another one that was fabulous. And then the Bacchanal Feast at Caesar's Palace, probably the best spread of food you'll find literally anywhere in the world in one place. It's like six different quality, quality restaurants all in the Bacchanal Buffet. Oh, mercy. Um, I also remember one night 
uh, being up a little late after a show and consuming two giant orders of sweet potato fries at the Gordon Ramsay Burger House. I don't know how many carbs that was uh, containing, but they put a little tiny sprinkle of uh, powdered sugar on top. And oh my goodness, it was absolutely incredible. Um, And what I noticed was I felt great. I did a high intensity workout uh, out there in between uh, the buffets. I sprinted up 51 floors of stairs to be exact and then went into the hotel gym and did some aggressive leg press exercises and some other stuff. Um, So I'm speculating that the high caloric intake stimulated a lot of insulin, obviously, especially when you order, when you consume two orders of sweet potato fries. And of course, we know that insulin has those anabolic effects because it's uh, delivering energy, it's delivering nutrients to the cells throughout your body, especially the ones that need them, such as if you deplete a little bit of glycogen from doing a 51-floor stairway sprint. So uh, in a short term, what I've noticed is better recovery, Uh, more stable daily energy, and possibly adding a little bit of lean muscle mass even. So the experiment has worked out well, and it's causing me to uh, reflect a little bit on the idea that, and here's a big thing, so slow it down to a single speed. If you're listening to this podcast at one and a half speed or even double speed, we want to get this really straight because this is kind of my uh, hypothesis, my thesis that's really been... um, Uh, discussed a lot between Mark Sisson, uh, Dr. Lindsay Taylor. All of us are really getting deep into this. Brian McAndrew, who's editing this show and all of our shows, doing a great job. And he's full into keto, has been so for a long time. And he's doing strength and power workouts. So we have all different aspects and different populations represented here. If you want to call Mark uh, an old guy since he's 64 and keto is working great for him, his compressed eating window is working great for him. He does a very impressive uh, workout regimen. Even at his age, he's really hitting the gym hard and doing his ultimate Frisbee. Uh, Me being 52, a little bit younger, still trying to do some uh, intense and aggressive workout patterns. And so my hypothesis that we're kicking around here, our hypothesis is What about this? If you're in this distinct category of having optimal body fat, having a devoted workout regimen and specific and ambitious athletic goals, and also having favorable blood tests, so I'm testing my triglycerides, they're very low, 28 or 34, HDL is double that, so I'm well under the ideal one-to-one ratio for Uh, triglycerides to HDL, my HbA1c, my C-reactive protein, all those things were very favorable. My fasting insulin was at two. I believe that you want to be uh, five or under is good. So I don't have any of those metabolic concerns or risk factors, and I don't have excess body fat. I don't have any complaints along those lines. So maybe, just maybe, I'm in this distinct category where I have a different set of decision-making to do when I'm considering what level of carbohydrate intake to have, how long to stay in ketosis, how often to go into a strict nutritional ketosis period, and all these things. Um, This is all so new and cutting edge and breaking that, you know, we wrote this book at a rapid rate because we wanted to get the information out there, and we're very, very pleased. Uh, Mark and I are pleased with the uh, results that we didn't make distinct conclusions and heavy-handed edicts for everyone that you need to do it this way, that you need to do it that way. And the experimenting is open and we're open-minded. And this uh, podcast, this message is open-minded because I've made podcasts before uh, touting the benefits of fasting. So what I'm uh, 
leaning toward right now is that a variation in your eating patterns is a very healthy and recommended thing to do. So if you have ambitious athletic goals, if you're in that period of the season or period of your life where you want to get a lot done, you want to recover quickly, and you're in that distinct category of high level of metabolic fitness already, maybe you have uh, more leeway and more call to consume more high nutrient value carbohydrates than the traditional keto recommendation of staying under 50 grams a day or below. If you have a period of or a history of metabolic damage and you're carrying excess body fat and very frustrated that you can't remove it despite devoted efforts, uh, maybe a sustained period of nutritional ketosis is a great idea for you to get these issues handled once and for all. So with regard to how the keto reset diet information was presented, it seems like a very, very sensible thing for everyone to have this bucket list agenda of completing a complete uh, journey through the proscribed keto reset process, which is the 21-day metabolism reset where you're ditching grains, sugars, refined vegetable oils, you're transitioning away from carbohydrate dependency toward the direction of fat and keto adaptation, then the fine-tuning period where you engage in morning fasting and test your metabolic fitness. So let's say you called my my keto experimental phase and my fasting phase, uh, that that fine-tuning period where I I proved proved to the world that I could fast until 12 or 2 or even 4 p.m. and feel fine. No no complaints, no suffering, no struggling. Uh, But then spinning out of that phase, if I'm not uh, looking to... Uh, right metabolic damage or reduce excess body fat. Maybe I'll land in what Mark likes to now call the keto zone, which would say uh, daily carbohydrate intake ranging from, let's say, 30 on the low side all the way up to 150 and have no ill effects and not even notice the difference between a 30-gram day and a 150-gram day. But this is a particular insight of my own over the short term And it might not be applicable to you, but I'm going to propose that we have a sort of different decision-making process depending on our current level of metabolic fitness. And furthering that idea, uh, I really am liking the suggestion now that's been floated out there by uh, numerous experts in the keto scene. Uh, Dr. Jacob Wilson's shows have talked about this. Uh, Dom D'Agostino's talked about it. Uh, Luis Villasenor on Keto Gains has talked about it, and that is uh, targeting your increased carbohydrate intake anyway around your hard workouts in conjunction or proximity to your hard workouts. People are talking about uh, consuming them both before uh, and or after hard workouts, and I especially like the idea of afterward. So you've burned up a lot of energy. You know you can perform in a fasted state because um, you're so well fat adapted, Um, and then at some point after, could even be that evening, you enjoy a substantial level of carbohydrates uh, in the name of promoting metabolic fitness, uh, ensuring that you recover from your hard efforts, and enjoying your life and not unnecessarily passing on some of the most uh, delicious foods uh, that you might be otherwise restricting if you're doing an experiment. Um, The other thing that I'd like to propose is that Besides the keto reset journey being a bucket list item, it's also probably a really, really good idea for everyone, even the most metabolically fit, most athletic people, to consider 
a strict period of nutritional ketosis at least once a year. So as we describe it in the book, a six-week adherence to the nutritional ketosis macronutrient guidelines, uh, perhaps in the winter because that's the time when we're genetically uh, adapted to not consume many carbohydrates, possibly uh, add to our body fat a little bit just due to the genetics and the different metabolic function that happens when the days are shorter and the weather's colder and most likely your exercise output is reduced a little bit from uh, other times of the year. But maybe that's a great time to just do this reset no matter who you are, even if you have uh, optimal body fat, but just to get the uh, often discussed benefits of autophagy and kind of clearing out the damaged cellular material, getting the best benefits from uh, the cognitive function benefits, the increased oxygenation to the brain, the better neuron firing, and all those touted benefits that are detailed uh, in the keto reset diet from getting into that deep nutritional ketosis. So that's a lot to think about. That's just throwing it out there. What's happening for me? I'll also note that um, the more food I consume, the more hungry I am. So that's kind of funny. And that kind of lines up with all the talk that we have about carbohydrate dependency. I'm not going to say that my energy level uh, fluctuates adversely during the day, but I notice I wake up in the morning. um, I'm used to having my green smoothie and I feel like, hey, I'm ready for a green smoothie rather than the keto periods where uh, I could wake up in the morning and not even think about food until noon. So part of that's like behavior patterns and habitual behavior and maybe not directly Uh, related to my levels of things like ghrelin and leptin and the things that dictate appetite. But it's just an interesting observation. And possibly correlating with that is my improved recovery rates and improved performance in especially the high-intensity workouts. I'm kind of revving up my metabolism, uh, increasing my insulin production a bit to help recover from these workouts. And I think that best goes hand in hand with the increased caloric intake and the increased carbohydrate intake. In other words, if I'm not exercising a lot, I'm not demanding a lot from my body, I'm sitting around for long periods of the day, uh, that's probably a time when you're going to benefit very much so, even more so, from reducing that carbohydrate intake, reducing that insulin production, and keeping things uh, in optimal balance. Okay, what you think about all that? Thank you so much for listening to the Keto Reset Podcast. Looking forward to hearing your comments. Go to ketoreset.com and send us a question for discussion on the podcast. Have a great day. This is your host, Brad Kearns. Hi, Brad Kearns here with something different than a stiff commercial script message. I want to give you an authentic endorsement for one of my favorite supplements of all time. It's called Adaptogenic Calm. used to be called Primal Calm, and the key ingredient in this formula is called Phosphatidylserine, or PS. And this agent has been shown in hundreds of studies to blunt the catabolic effects of the stress hormone cortisol in the bloodstream that's released in response to all forms of life stress. Whether it's a series of difficult workouts, extensive jet travel, personal stress of any kind, we're constantly triggering the fight or flight mode in modern life. 
And when people say, hey, you should take a chill pill, this really is a chill pill. Because when you consume an appropriate amount of phosphatidylserine and the other supportive ingredients that have been known to have a calming effect on the central nervous system, things like magnesium, L-theanine, magnolia bark, and rhodiola, you will get a calming effect. It's not like a stimulant product that makes you feel more energy and have a better workout but instead this sort of takes the edge off of that stress buzz where you feel that foggy brain function maybe a little shaky and finally fried at the end of a busy stressful day this stuff will help you clear your bloodstream from those catabolic stress hormones before they can do the damage so i like to take significant quantities of it in and around stressful events such as jet travel or in those heavy training cycles when you're really pushing your body and trying so hard not to fall into that overtraining, overstress, foggy brain function spiral downward. That's right, phosphatidylserine has also been shown to enhance cognitive function. It's commonly used in Europe on cognitive decline patients. And you can make that connection between when you're frazzled and overstressed and how your brain doesn't work quite as well. So this is a brain function enhancing, stress hormone reducing, secret weapon, adaptogenic calm. Look for it on primalblueprint.com.